Ground ball to shortstop. Kim will go to first. The San Diego Padres get their first no-hitter in the history of the franchise. And it belongs to San Diego's own Joe Musgrove, sending the Friar faithful into a frenzy. Joe Musgrove, I mean, this is probably the most perfect, close to perfect game as you can pitch, you know, in every situation. You got a brand new ballpark. You got the, the granted it wasn't for the Padres, but... Joe Musgrove, a San Diego kid, pitching for one of his teams that he loved growing up, pitching a perfect game, or I'm sorry, a no-hitter. The reason it wasn't a perfect one game. One bean? One, one bean, bean ball? I accidentally hit Joey Gallo. Mm-hmm. But just to break that down just a little bit here, by the way, I am Amos. That is Amish. Welcome, everyone, to the Hot Takes Corner. We are guaranteed, I don't know, to do something. Probably not near perfection, but... Guaranteed to be old and decrepit in a few years, at least for me. (laughs) Talk to my back about that. But let's break down some of this real quick. Joe Musgrove, 112 pitches thrown in his no-hitter, 77 of which were strikes. Um, If I can find wherever... uh, Where is it? 10 ground outs, 3 fly outs, 10 strikeouts from Musgrove. He just looked... Great, mm-hmm. to say the very least. He just looked great. <laughs> uh, Joe Musgrove, San Diego kid, as described. By the way, the courtesy of that audio you heard was from KWFN 97.3 FM and Bali Sports San Diego, both uh, calling the final four outs. Of, uh, yeah, that Joe final Musgrove. one, that final Bali call on TV was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, 117 pitches for Musgrove. 77 were strikes. That's not right. I'm looking at the wrong one. 112 pitches thrown by Musgrove. 77 were strikes. Uh, but my point is, is that, boy, did this look like a great move by the Padres to get him in the offseason. It sure does. Granted, it's Texas, but that doesn't mean they're lacking talented hitters. Major league hitters, you know, you're in the major leagues, you're a major league hitter, you know. But to show how much he dominated, besides the fact he no hit them, every hitter in the Texas lineup in the original Texas lineup, David Dahl pitched hit, I believe, in the ninth. Besides David Dahl, everyone struck out one through nine except for Tavares, you know. Yeah. So Musgrove literally dominated these guys up and down. And even though he passed his 100, I think he, by the time the eighth inning was there with two outs, he was already at 101 pitches. And he still looked great. I mean, I don't know if he, if he hit that mark in the seventh inning, I don't know if he would have had the no hitter. But yeah. It just, as he said in his post-game interview, it was just meant to be. He said he actually felt bad in warm-ups. He felt like his back was a little stiff. Uh-huh. And he was telling Carantini to, you know, let's just stick with the plan and see what happens. And nine innings later, he makes history. The first no-hitter in San Diego Padres history. And now every team, every team now has a no-hitter. Which is great. It's great. Yeah. So, which, with that being said, and we'll get back to the answer. Do you know, and I'll, you know, if you do know it, don't answer it right away, but. Do you know the team now that has the longest no-hitter drought? Pick on has that it been 10 years? 
I if I I'll have to look at the date again, but I believe it's been longer than ten years. Yeah, it has been longer than ten. But while you're mulling on that, I want to give a quick shout out to as well the catcher, his battery mate, Victor Carantini, <laughs> for setting a little bit of history for himself as well. Catching the last two no-hitters in Major League Baseball, you know, back in September, Alec Mills, when he was with the Cubs, when they no-hit the Brewers in Milwaukee, and now here he is catching for Joe Musgrove once again on the road in Texas' new ballpark. Um, I wonder if anyone's ever done three in a row. You would think that maybe it would happened in the late 1800s, early 1900s or something. Well, I, I'm i telling you, man, if there's one thing that Victor Carantini was good at um, – he knows how to call a game. I mean, he just knows how to yeah. call a game. That's why you Darvish liked using nothing against Contreras, but that's why he liked using Carantini as his battery mate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he was really successful when it comes to getting those corner calls. But um, yeah, so Carantini <laughs> has called the last two no hitters. So that's a nice little fun stat here. We got plenty more, but I can't find them all. Because I saved so many of them. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just happy for him. I really am. And like this right. is this is a and I watched this game probably from the sixth inning on. I didn't watch it through the first five innings. Um but like this is one of those games where you sit there as a Padres fan and it's like this could be the year. You know, I sure. mean I this pot if you're a Padres fan, you should be very excited. I, I really think you should be very excited. Speaking of, did you see Bob Nightingale's tweet about Tatis? I did not see his thing about Tatis. Oh, according to him, there is speculation he could be back in 10 weeks. Yeah, now no doubt that's going to be a huge cornerstone to how far this mm-hmm. team goes. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's be honest, that that other shortstop they got from overseas, his name just literally escaped him right now. He's been Kim. a bust. He's been yeah. an absolute bust. He hasn't done anything. Granted, it's been a week, but well, he, um, he maybe, maybe he helped the no hitter because he got caught stealing to end the top of yeah. or the top of the ninth. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that really helps his cause though. I mean, bad base running. <laughs> You know, just, um, just gets gets it over with quicker, gets gets the, the action going again. So the nerves aren't all built up, you know? So just a couple of quick notes here. Um, regular season games, 8,206 it took for the Padres to get their first no-hitter. Mm-hmm. As we said before, every active MLB franchise now has a no-hitter. Victor Carantini, like I said, caught the last two. The one from on Friday night with Joe Musgrove and back in September 13th of last year with Alex Mill, Alec Mills. Um, also by Jeremy Frank at MLB Random Stats. I love this page, by the way. Uh, oh, he yeah. put up saying that Victor Carantini is the first player to catch MLB's two most recent no-hitters since Ryan Hannigan caught both of Homer Bailey's in 2012 and 2013. Nice. I didn't know that. Um, by the way, the answer to that question, which okay. team has the longest no-hit drought now that the Padres have their first. And I'll just it's say Marlins. Not, it is not the Marlins. It is stacking up on this poor franchise. It's the Cleveland Indians. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Considering what they have going right now on their pitching staff. Yeah. The Indians' last no-hitter was May fifteenth, 1981 versus Toronto. Wow. 
Despite a plethora of Cy Young winners, including five awards since 2007, most of them will be in that span. The team has yet to produce a no-hitter since this one in May 1981. So, yeah, the Indians are the longest active team now without a no-hitter. Put the spotlight back over there. Time to get to work, Cleveland. Off of San Diego. Hey, maybe this new name change will be good for him. Maybe they'll win a World Series and get a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Get rid of that curse. There you go. A curse lifter. Well, moving on, uh, unless you got some more to say about the, the Musgrove and the no-hitter stuff. Uh, just uber congratulations. And I agree with um, they were talking to him after the game. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And, I, mm. and you know, not to poop on the Pirates, but it must suck even more to know <laughs> that you just had this guy last year. And he goes to another team, and he pitches a no-hitter. I mean. Garrett Cole, Tyler Glasnow, Jameson Tyon, Joe Musgrove, Kumar Rock. Oh, no, we're going to say that yet. Sorry. I'm sure he'll be a Red Sox or something. <laughs> but, no, I mean, and, and you know, someone to not, to, not to go off on a tangent here, but, like, someone made a good point about that earlier. It would be like, stop blaming the Rockies recruitment for that blame their player development team, you know, which okay. a, allegedly was reworked over this off season. Like they have a new set to worry about player development. So if things pick okay. up over there, we could see a nice set of pitchers to stay over there. But mm. I thought that was, yes. Speaking yeah. of Rockies, We have the uh, announcement this week that Major League Baseball has announced that the All-Star Game now will be held at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. Your thoughts uh, on the move? I mean... Well, we ranted. I pretty much got everything I, I wanted. I hate the move in general. I think the, I think the hardest thing is... I think the, the crappiest thing about the move is that the fact that Coors Field is now going to be associated with, mm. oh, this was you know, the bridesmaid of the all-star game, you know, it wasn't going to be here. And now it's here because of some either bullshit or excuse my language there, either bullshit or totally necessary move by MLB, whichever side of the fence you fall on. Um, But I agree with people that said it should have been in Milwaukee, you know, because, you know, the theme of the all-star game was, you know, looking at Hank Aaron, you know, so now you're going to put it in a, park that he's not known for so okay and this is what the rockies are going to get as their all-star game now so they really can't put in another request to host the all-star game for what 20 years or something like that well well said uh but i just want to reiterate the fact that i uh think you know mlb an organization is okay with playing games in cuba though you know they're no longer under Fidel, it's, you know, 89-year-old Raul in charge of things. Raul! But, uh, you Don't know, communists nonetheless. Raul. Plus, we have the, you know, continued acceptance that the MLB is continuing to be aired on China's online streaming flat platform Tencent Videos, whether you're for or against uh, other things, you know, such as Marco Rubio, what he said about the Biden administration hypocrisy and its support. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll leave that up to you guys, but I'm just putting it out there. But I like uh, I like Coors Field. Yeah, I think the, yeah. the 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 home run derby should be at its at its peak. 
Uh, yep. What did you say? 93 was the last time? I was something like that. I mean, yeah. it's it's 90s. no... I have no problems with the park itself. It should be entertaining. Hopefully mm-hmm. they pick actual sluggers to play in the or the uh, home run derby this year. Yeah. You know, Pete Alonzo would be nice. Mike Trout would be nice. Shohei Otani would be again. nice. I want to see Vlad Jr. again. Vlad Jr., Aquino for the Reds would be great. Aquino would be nice. I want to see Tyler Naquin this year, man. I'm loving him coming out of the gate. He's looking good. He's looking real good. Heck, heck, you know what? Let's throw in Michael Lorenzen. That dude's jacked. Okay. Yeah, it'd be fun. Otani for the American League, Lorenzen for the National League. Yeah. To have a pitcher versus pitcher, you know. <laughs> Opening round. A, a rare case, you know. But, uh, yeah, let's hope they pick out some good people for the home run. And the All-Star game will be fun, too. But, once again, I just can't help but think there's just going to be this stink over the All-Star game this year. Yeah, you can't, and, you can't help but think that that's probably going to be the case. And I would say it's nothing MLB deserves, but they absolutely deserve it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, but, and we'll look forward to you know the collective bar- bargaining in the off season and seeing where that gets us. But yeah, so what were us see what what do we got next here? Um, yeah, some people, uh, some surprises, people exiting. Uh, starting with starting with the AL East, uh, outfielder Tiasker Hernandez placed in the COVID nineteen injured list for the Blue Jays following exposure to a positive COVID nineteen case with close contact outside the organization. Uh, meanwhile, the Jays currently working through contact tracing and testing following the guidelines. Uh, left-hander Ryan Baruki also placed on the list due to side effects of receiving the vaccine, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr who struck out in his first at-bat Friday night the 9th, was replaced in the third inning after experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19. So uh, he was to be reevaluated on Saturday. And right-hander Tyler Chatwood placed on the standard 10-day aisle with right triceps inflammation. Manager Charlie Montoya didn't have a projected timeline for Chatwood as of the 9th, but said the reliever started to experience inflammation over the latter part of the week. And finally, for the Jays, outfielder George Springer. But his diagnosis is minor grade one quadriceps strain, and that's going to delay his return, they think, by seven to ten more days. Right, so he had a setback, correct? Right, so it's it's an injury that can be a re-injury easily, according to what I've read here. See, that sucks. (laughs) I mean, that sucks. Yeah. What did you need? Speaking of re-injuries... James yeah. Paxton for the Mariners. Mm, what happened there again? Well, he was pulled in the second inning. I believe he threw 24 pitches after what they initially thought he was holding his hip. But it okay. turns out that it had to do with his arm. And oh, now it's UCL. I'm just reading now. Yeah. Now they're determining whether uh, he's going to have to undergo Tommy John surgery. And right. I got to say, man, the mm. look on his face when you know he was walking with service back to the dugout. Yeah, I felt so bad for him. He knew I, he just knew it, or he yeah. was shaking his head. And I was just like, <laughs> I wonder if this is the injury that's going to cause him to retire. We've got a lot of big injuries this week. Yeah, you've already mentioned the Mr. update on Tatis. Tatis. Yeah, um, 
I don't know how to feel. That's ten valid. weeks. Well, if it is ten weeks, I mean, now all the Padres have to do is keep up with the Dodgers for ten weeks. Um, but speaking of the Dodgers, a couple of guys going into the uh, injury updates, I should say. Cody Bellinger placed on the ten day IL with a left calf contusion, um, which he he. He took an accidental spike to his calf on a collision at first base against the A's on Monday. You could watch the video, completely accidental, no intention behind it, you know, and he was limping a little bit. So he's on the 10-day I.O. for that. Um, Betts was out of the lineup Sunday for a third straight game. Um, He's got back soreness, something minor, but, you know, you paid a lot of money to him. You better take care of him, you know. Right. That... uh, so a couple of injuries there. Uh, heading over to the Astros, we've got Alex Bregman, who's going to be out of the lineup. Quote-unquote, his legs were a little sore, <laughs> according to Dusty Baker. So that would give him two days off. Going to the bullpen for the Astros, Pedro Baez, removed from COVID injury yeah. list, which is nice. Now he's put on the 10-day IL with right shoulder soreness. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Just can't catch a break. Also to note, over the weekend of the 10th, the Baltimore Orioles bolstered their outfield death by activating DJ Stewart from the 10-day IL. He'd been out with a left hamstring strain since March 5th. Uh, the option utility man, Pat Valeka, to the alternate training site. Going over to the Tampa Bay Rays now. Chris Archer, this this guy, I know I talk about how overhyped this guy is, how sure. overrated Chris Archer is. That doesn't mean I wish him on injuries. Um, but unfortunately, you know, he exited the game. I think they were facing the Yankees uh, due to right lateral forearm tightness. So that's always going to make you perk your ears up a little bit. Um so yeah, Chris Archer. It didn't say which stint they put him on. I'm, I guess, ten day until they see what's wrong with him. But I would assume. What do you think of the uh, Diamondbacks uh, shortstop situation there, Amos? I see uh, Mr. Ahmed, of course, last week got put in the DL, and uh, you know they called up Geraldo Perdomo, mm-hmm. uh, but they've been having problems also with Kettle Marte with the right hamstring. You're starting to get a little thin there in the Arizona infield. I think these are just, you know, your beginning of the season type injuries. You know, we're going to see hamstrings. We're going to see calves. We're going to see maybe even some shoulder sorenesses. Or in Bregman's case, having a little leg soreness. So, um, J.D. Davis for the Mets. Struck on the hand by Chase Anderson pitch Tuesday. Mm. Uh, He will be on the I.L., he did get multiple negative x-rays, so that's good. But other than that, they pretty much are putting him on the I.O. It sounds like as a precautionary thing. Hey, Amos, have you ever heard of thoracic outlet syndrome? Thoracic outlet syndrome? Well, apparently it's what Trevor Rosenthal of the uh, A's underwent surgery for. Oh, um... I thought I looked at that, but I don't recall what that is. Well, Dr. Akash Shawan. 10 out of 10 uh, name. Discussed it. 
Hey guys, it's Dr. Akash giving you an update on Trevor Rosenthal's thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. So Rosenthal is the uh, reliever for the A's, or at least was supposed to be, was signed um, on a, a decent con one-year contract. And uh, he's been having some issues with his right shoulder. Remember, he had uh, previous Tommy John surgery about a couple of years ago, was out for that season, and uh, now has had surgery for thoracic outlet uh, syndrome. Um, so what is thoracic outlet syndrome? Um, there's, if you Google it, there's a lot of different uh, kind of you know, information out there. And I try to simplify it. Basically, it is a rare condition, um, but not so uncommonly seen in uh, baseball players, especially pitchers. And what it is is a condition where you get compression of the nerves that come from the neck down into the shoulder and all the way they go all the way down the arm. Uh, the brachial plexus is what it's called that controls all the function of the shoulder and the rest of the upper extremity, as well as uh, possible compression of the uh, artery and veins that go from the neck all the way down into the arm. And what happens is that there are two types, um, and you can kind of subdivide them in basically on the anatomy. So there's neurogenic, which is compression of the nerves, and that can cause kind of long-term fatigue in the throwing arm, uh, pain that's chronic, especially in the shoulder area and the chest wall, uh, and also numbness and tingling that you would see when nerves get irritated. Uh, vascular uh, types, which are arterial and venous, so meaning the artery and the vein, um, can get chronic irritation, can actually get clots that form in the actual blood vessel. And that can cause decreased blood flow and blood circulation through the arm, which can also lead to a lot of pain and kind of fatigue and a soreness that occurs over time. And so these get worked up, but ultimately aren't the most common things to think of initially when we see these baseball players. You see kind of shoulder injuries and elbow injuries being evaluated. And we like to call this a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning you exclude everything else. And then you kind of think, well, what else could it be? It's then likely thoracic outlet syndrome. And so ultimately for him, he had surgery. And so the surgery he had uh, was it called a decompression of the brachial plexus. So his was likely a neurogenic, um, meaning nerve-related thoracic outlet syndrome. They decompressed the, the nerves up here. They actually removed some of the muscles called the scalene muscles. So for a lot of these hard-throwing guys, um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a reliever, it can be a starting pitcher, some of these guys are predisposed to thickening of the muscles. So every time they go back and stretch the neck muscles repetitively over years of throwing, they get really, really big neck muscles that over time can hypertrophy and actually compress the nerves and the arteries here. So they remove some of those muscles up here as well. They also do something called a first rib resection. That sounds kind of ridiculous to people who don't know about this, but it's actually a standard of care for this because the first rib is in that area, and so it's an area where the nerves and arteries can be compressed, and so you take that away. Now, you also had a pec minor release. Similarly, that muscle can hypertrophy and be an irritant to those nerves and vessels in that area, and so you release it so that it's not it's no longer pushing on those nerves and vessels. So you do everything you can in this area to try to get all the pressure off of the nerves and the arteries and the uh, veins so that you know this doesn't come back and you relieve the patient's uh, or the player's problem. So as far as performance after this, um, you know, I do not believe this is a career-ending surgery for him. Um, you know, my biggest concern is that he's had this and Tommy John surgery in the last few years. So it's a lot on his throwing arm. 
Um, ultimately, a lot of guys have had this surgery in the past. You know, Chris Young had this and came back and did great. Uh, Garcia had this and had, did great for a few years. So there's a lot of big-name guys have had this surgery, especially in the major leagues, that have returned to play fine and had a, had a normal and uh, you know reasonably long career uh, in the league. Um, ultimately, when you look at the numbers and kind of think about when he's going to be back, uh, he'll be returning to throwing probably around two, three months, um, probably throwing in the minors around seven to eight months. And I would say that, you know, if the season was a little bit longer, obviously he'd be back in nine to 10 months, but the season will be over by the time he can actually play uh, for the A's and he should be back by next season throwing. You know, I can't comment on his performance. Uh, it's quite variable. You know, a lot of these guys who have a little bit of decrease in their velocity, my concern for him as a reliever is that he needs to be able to throw hard and fast. So, you know, we'll have to see how he comes back and how he throws. You know, maybe put him back into a relief position, not a starting or not a relieving uh, position. So ultimately, you know, we'll see how he does. He will be back. He'll be back throwing. I do not believe this is a career-ending uh, surgery. And, you know, we should see him back next year throwing for the A's, hopefully. Yeah, this these nasty shoulder injuries, and you know the A's are struggling. Let's 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 not miss words. The A's really are out of the gate slow in every facet: yeah. defense, offense, pitching. I agree. Um, no, Scott. Let's see here. I'm gonna put some minor Colton Wong on the ten day IL with left oblique strain. Julio Tehran for the Tigers with a last-minute scratch. Um, he's on the 10-day IL, right shoulder strain. Chris did you Martin just mention 10-day? Did you just mention Springer? I was trying to keep track of everything you've been mentioning. I did I, not mention Springer. Uh, you know, sure, sure. I mean, you just got to feel so bad for the dude. Mm, you know, um, terrible. Another couple side note with the Mariners: Evan White uh, did some jogging Turner Field. Or at Target Field, I should say. I can't read. So, uh, speculation is he's going to avoid the injury list. So that's good for them. And, of course, Kyle Lewis cleared each step in his recovery from a deep bone bruise in his right knee. So, he could be back in a week or two. So, good for them. Uh, nice. That's all the injury updates I have. So. Yeah, I've been just scrolling and pondering around here, too. And I'm not seeing really much else than, than everything you mentioned. So, nice, nice job. I think we covered that pretty good. The Hot Takes Corner Podcast is seeking to help other streamers by freely promoting their product content. Our new anchor format has allowed segmentation for the first time, and in order for it to flow the most smooth, we'd like to use breaks and your time in the show. We'll accept anything from a 10-second tease to a one-minute spot that can either be produced and submitted by yourself, or you may work with our brilliant production team in order to properly promote what you wish us to. Thank you for your consideration into what we believe will benefit all. Let's shift our focus to, well, a guy I really don't like to shift my focus to, Amos. <laughs> That's uh, Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Smartest man in baseball, but is he a cheater? Yeah, uh, and you know, and he's got this loud and vocal, continuous commentary, you know, that he brings up, uh, especially about Astros pitching and and spin rates. But uh, this guy's being investigated. 
apparently last Wednesday was it Oakland, I think the Dodgers are playing and they uh they're they're looking at a few balls. Uh, one in particular, I guess. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think they took multiple balls from mm-hmm. ones that Bauer used. But yeah, they he said it started uh, according to MLB trade rumors. They on here it says Bauer started against the Athletics on Wednesday when he yielded two earned runs on ten strikeouts and six and two thirds. The umpire from the game, uh, excuse me, the umpires from that game have since collected multiple quote unquote suspicious baseballs. End of quote that Bauer threw. So, and you know, there's different people saying this. This particular quote was by uh, Trevor Rosenthal. Um, so, you know, he goes on saying that the league may not be able to prove whether it was Bauer who doctored the ball. So it's unclear whether it, they will discipline him or not. So first things first is we need to be as clear as possible of what the rule is on that. All right. Well, rule 6.02 states a pitcher shall not, quote, apply a foreign substance of any kind to the ball and or have on his person or in his possession any foreign substance with players subject to discipline, regardless of whether evidence of the violation has been discovered during or following a game, unquote. Rosenbeg? I mean, that keeps your hand dry, though. Okay. I get that. I mean, uh, I would people even blame give... catcher. People blame the catcher, maybe. Well, I mean, you definitely have to think of how many ways that a pitcher could, you know, how a pitcher could doctor a baseball without people suspecting it. You know, yeah, a catcher. I mean, a catcher could have something. Uh, you know, he could put, you know, in his crouch position, he could have something under his pant leg or, or like, you know, where his calf is. You know, he puts his fingers on it, and then when he gets the ball, he throws it back. I mean, there's probably hundreds of ways that you could doctor a ball, but... Yeah, Joe Necro had an infamous nail file for my twins way back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, some subtle and not-so-subtle ways. You know, like we see that these pitchers <laughs> with stuff on their hats. I'm surprised Major League Baseball isn't talking about that more, or it seems like they're not talking about that more. Um, now, look, do I think Bauer is cheating? I don't know. I, I would just... I'm so I'm so divided on this. I just mm-hmm. am. like, you know, we can't ignore the fact that, you know, he has such an increased spin rate on his pitches compared to last year. Yeah. And it, but at the same time, it's just, do we really trust Major League Baseball to do a fair investigation against someone that <laughs> has spoken out many times criticizing the league that hires yeah. and pays a money? 20. 20- 2019 playoffs against Houston. I, I I will never forget that. How how vocal he got. Look at them. Look at them. They're cheating. They're cheating. You know. I mean, and even in one of his tweets, he put one of his most recent tweets. Uh, I don't remember what I'm trying to find it right now as I'm talking about it. But like, he even referenced Major League Baseball as a clown. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like. I mean, now granted, he could say whatever he wants. That's just sure. what Bauer is. You know, he's got a very explosive personality. He's definitely outspoken. But, you know, it it just, he's got points. I mean, he does make points. Him and Rachel Luba make a lot of valid points. You know, do we trust Major League Baseball to not single out Bauer and to truly look at all pitchers? Yeah. And then even when they do, do we expect them to punish them? Because they didn't punish the Astros. They punished the management. that's the fact, uh, you know, about this whole thing, you know, most likely we've got many more pitchers that are, you know, using some sort of substance to improve their grip on the ball. The, the fact that only one pitcher's 
known to currently being you know looked at from these game balls that are collected against Bauer. That that, that that's kind of irrelevant, really. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know what Major League Baseball would want to. I mean, they're very good at shooting shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, that's one thing that Major League Baseball loves to do to shoot themselves in the foot. And you know, let's just say there is something on Trevor Bauer. Let's just say he is doctoring baseballs. Okay, great. But you know exactly what uh, Rachel Luba, his agent's going to say. You know, either what about other pitchers? Or B, how do you know that this stuff is actually that goes against the rules? You're not really yeah. specific besides obvious things, you know. We know it's not pine tar. But like I said before, you know, you have pitchers that have like odd stains on the bill of their hat. You know, you have pitchers that, you know, just so happen to take their two fingers, like their index finger and their, like their bird finger, their middle finger, and touch their hat multiple times. I mean, is Major League Baseball looking at that? Right. Uh, let me bring you back, Amos, uh, rewind a little bit to the league's March 23rd memo. Uh, I remember us briefly talking about it on the podcast. Uh, it was a memo sent by MLB Vice President of On-Field Operations, Michael Hill, to high-ranking officials with all 30 clubs. Uh, you know, that the commissioner's office is going to be reviewing StatCast data this season to analyze changes in spin rates of pitchers suspected of using foreign substances, comparing those spin rates to the pitcher's career norms. Is is this maybe just the beginning that we're seeing using a you know a high-profile example like Bauer? Well, the best way I can answer that is it goes back to the culpability of Major League Baseball. I mean, can they... Can they actually pull a good investigation? <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. they didn't do, in my opinion, they didn't do a good one with the Astros. So what makes you think that they're going to change pitchers in the way they pitch? You know, yeah, the stats are going to be pretty obvious. You can't really disguise stats, if you will. But I don't think just because you have an increased spin rate, that wouldn't hold up in a quote-unquote court of law, in my opinion. Yeah. And let's remember back in 2014, Michael Pineda, who was then with the Yankees, had a 10-game suspension for having a foreign substance on his neck. Uh, then the Players Association, though, he had no role in drafting the league's memo, uh, reserved the right to challenge any punishment. I haven't heard a lot from the Players Association in this case. Is that just something that's being kept quiet, I wonder? Or? Well, there was something that the Players Union put out um, – if I could find which tab it was under, but basically what they were saying is, is that if, if major league baseball comes out with something against Bauer, they said that they were quote unquote challenged any, Oh, here it is. Uh, it's, this statement was by, you know, this was by a reporter. So he's not part of the union, but he says, if the league attempts to punish Bauer, the union quote would challenge any discipline, not covered under current rules End quote. That's, by Bill uh, Shikin of the Los Angeles Times. That was a tweet mm -hmm. that he put out. So you can probably bet that the Players Union is keeping an eye on this. I mean, that's who they represent, you know. But at the same time, are they going to be fair about it as well? That's my question with everything. Is everyone going to be fair? Like, if there is a substance on there, like, let's just say there is a weird substance that's never been found before that's on a baseball is the players union going to be like, well, okay, well, he may, they may have us there. Probably not. <laughs> They're going to be that like, that's not covered in the rules. So that's the thing that we've said, what, three months ago, or maybe even more than that, when we were talking about the Astros cheating scandal. 
Major League Baseball doesn't care if they cheat. They don't care. You can tell by the way they investigate stuff. You can tell by the way they punish, quote-unquote, punish players. They don't care if players cheat. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, it seems to me Major League Baseball wants to keep a lot of offense on the field and and a lot of things going for, you know, Mm. scoring and whatnot. Uh, As a matter of fact, it says in the, the Ken Rosenthal article discussing uh, the Bauer situation, uh, one team executive with an expertise in pitching said the best way to increase offense and address another concern of the leagues is to ensure that pitchers no longer use foreign substances, unquote. So, I think you know, that's accurate. Is Yeah, I mean, it, maybe this is something the league is just kind of, you know, doing on, on the down low. I mean, it could be. I mean, there's definitely motive there. Like, Major League Baseball could use this as a motive. We never know what their kind of agenda they're pushing. (laughs) I can't get Manfred's mind to save my life, boy. (laughs) But, you know, we just saw as early as this week on, you know, like Joe Musgrove's perfect game. You don't Mm -hmm. have to use substance to pitch great. I mean, I think everyone knows that, but at the same time. Okay, do I think Bauer's using something illegal? No, I don't. I really don't because – and. The only reason I'm saying that, though, is because there's just nothing out there yet. We'll have to wait and see what Major League Baseball has to say and what's found, and then we can everyone can come to their own conclusions there. Oh, no, I closed the tab I needed to get. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we cannot have an episode without either one or both of us screwing something up. <laughs> That's it. We're going back to record only episodes. And no more live stuff. This live stuff is a curse, (laughs) which we'll get to that question in a little bit. (laughs) We actually had someone send us a viewer question. Oh, yes. Viewer questions. Well, do we want to answer it Viewer questions. Yes, let's answer it. Viewer questions. All right. We will answer it now then. So our buddy Green Frog, shout out to you, Green Frog, whether you're here lurking in the Twitch chat or you're listening afterward. He sent us a question on Twitter. Uh, he actually asked two questions. Um, let's start. I actually want to start with the second one because that one I think we can answer a little easier than the first one. Okay. I don't know if you saw his second one or not. But, uh, just bring him up. Okay. So up. he asked, and I quote, the City Connect uniforms for Boston. I don't know if you saw those or not. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. Yep. I have he says. Yep. He he says that it looks worse than half of the Diamond Dynasty uniforms you see. Although I understand it, I think it looks lousy. But I'd be interested to hear the hot takes on it. Okay. Well, first uh, to explain further, they've come up. Uh, you said it's the city. What is it? City looks. What is the line called? The MLB is touting it as. Uh, I w- I think it's like the City Connect jersey. City Connects. That's right. So in this case, in Boston's case, they are trying to connect the big weekend of the Boston Marathon tradition. And kind of what it's all about for them, of course, is that horrible uh, attack that happened, uh, what was it, 10 years ago now? Or I can't remember the timeline what we're on. But you probably all know or remember what we're talking about as far as that uh, attack uh, goes, where uh, some people were killed and injured. Um but yeah, they're kind of this yellowish. I don't know how do you characterize it. It's almost kind of like a canary yellow with a uh, aqua bluish type of thing, don't you think? I think it'll make people really look at these jerseys a little more and not fall asleep with the boring grays and whites. Nice. That's all I got to say. 
I, I like what it's doing. It's like a nice little serviceable project. Here we go. There's seven clubs, the Diamondbacks, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the Dodgers, the Marlins, and the Giants. I'll go with you and, and say, you know, they're good for just the event. Mm. But, yeah, it's not something you really want to see beyond uh, the event itself. Again, it'll be retail uh, here, according to your link, on the 6th or have been available on retail, and then they'll be on the field on the 17th. Close so to $400 from... for that jersey, by the way, for the Boston one. Yikes. Oh, thank you. Do some proceeds go to, you know, the charities for the victims? That would change my mind a little bit. It would, too, if I had more money. You know, as much as I want to help well, that too. I don't but... want to go broke, <laughs> you know. There's that, too, but I'm just saying, you know, if it's going to be $400... Just the Boston ones and the and the, and the Cubs ones, right? Or yeah, the sh- yeah the I don't know if that includes the White Sox as well, but yeah the okay. So as you were saying, the Red Sox will be on the field on the seventeenth of April. The Marlins are on the field May twenty first. Yeah. White Sox uh, June fifth. Cubs June twelfth. Uh, Diamondbacks June eighteenth. The Giants July 9th. and on the Dodgers it just says late August, so it doesn't yeah, really to be determined. Time. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, should be fun. Um, Backed up by Nike, which, despite of what you heard, are not supportive of the new Satan shoes. Yeah, they're uh, suing. They're suing. uh, What is it? Lil Nas. Lil Nas. Lil Nas. But yeah, that was a good question. Um, Of course, you can let us know what you think about the new uniforms. Uh, Where's the second question? There it is. All right, now the second question. Now, mm-hmm. once again, Frog, I'm reading your question, and I think I know what it is. Um, I didn't know if we could include players that aren't playing as our answer, so I'm trying to come up with one that so, I would alternates, yeah, former and current. You don't nice. have to if you don't want to, but I'm I'm going to do it that way as well. Uh, and he asked, and I quote again: Is there an MLB the Show cover curse like there? He says was. Uh, the Madden curse. And if you could replace Tatis knowing he'd be hurt, who would you have cursed with the cover? All right. So for the layperson listening, again, the Madden curse is known as uh, when the video game series uh, Madden Football puts out their game, there is an athlete that they choose you know, from the NFL. Athlete. Usually. That is the cover of that uh, video game. And what typically happens is that individual gets injured in some form for whether it be a, a short-term or long-term, usually long-term uh, injury. And they call that the curse. Which I think Patrick Mahomes broke that, right? I believe so. I don't, I don't follow the NFL, so people will have to tell me. Yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, if who would you put on the cover knowing that it would curse their season? I guess is what the the, the meaning yeah. of this question is. If we had to choose someone, uh, I, I think more of you know a sacrificial lamb type of person. Uh, and all 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 I'll say is uh, to generalize it, make it a backup catcher. Okay, make it a backup <laughs> catcher because <laughs> they on are, the covers. Yeah, because they are so serviceable now around the majors you can find you know a guy over in the sandlot that can replace your backup catcher now just 
that's how diluted the field is becoming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I feel you. So who's your answer? Do you have a pr- specific? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm just going to say backup catcher. Backup catcher. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you my former player. And I was I was okay. mumbling to myself before we went live how much I hate this person. <laughs> and I don't care if I'm using the hate word. I literally cannot stand this person. Uh, I'm going to go with a big, fat, old douchebag. Um, I think Aubrey I know where you're Huff. going. Yep, Aubrey Huff, I do it. <laughs> I hope he's on the cover every year, gets none of the proceeds. And, you know. As as one Twitter person put it, and I think this is kind of harsh, but it was still funny. He goes, "I hope he gets a bad COVID and vaccine." <laughs> <laughs> Cannot stand that dude. I don't I understand. The I don't understand how people like him have followers. I just don't. I I literally don't get it, and I I cannot stand the guy so much. Um, but for current now. I want to I emphasize something. For the current player, I hope he has a bad season. I don't want him hurt. Yeah, sure. Huff, I don't care. hope he gets hurt. Um, I don't want him to die. Just hope he gets hurt. Um, probably Carlos Correa. All right. Probably Correa. The, the cockiness of that kid, you know, just him and Bregman just blowing off the cheating scandal. Yeah. Like it's nothing. And They're then, so happy about the All Star Game thing. You wouldn't believe. I bet. Probably. Which, by the way, furious note of the podcast. Nick Castellanos mm. getting a two game suspension for his mm. totally non breaking rules of anything whatsoever. Uh, pretty much just NBA posturizing a pitcher after he crossed the plate. Um, has now. I, I don't think he serviced his suspension. He's appealing it, which I hope it gets overturned. Right. But if he serves it. He would officially get more punishment than the Astros players will. Yeah, right. And it's crazy, right? That's how ass backwards Major League Baseball is. You know, don't posturize people. We are going to suspend you. You want to cheat? <laughs> you go for it. But but you're go bang that game. damn trash can all you want, bitch. You <laughs> no, you, your coaches will pay. We're gonna take away prospects. And you know what? You're still going to be over 500. Oh, yeah, that's right, because the players that did it are still playing. Yes, okay, <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, cool. Sorry, not to beat a dead trash can, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, All those inflatable ones that they were throwing, or that inflatable one they threw <laughs> on the field. That was fun. I got to give credit to that drunk guy that threw it out there. You could tell he was drunk because he <laughs> threw it, and he's just <laughs> <laughs> I would probably we drink need, too if I was back at a ball game. We need to have an uh uh a Sesame Street night at uh at the park with Oscar the Grouch as your <laughs> as your host. <laughs> host. <laughs> but man, yeah, they were playing the greatest like uh music and stuff too. What the hell? There's a really good one in Oakland. I wish I could look it up real quick, but <laughs> they were just playing, you know, take out the trash, you know. <laughs> Type of type of jingle, you know, stuff. It's been pretty hilarious. I just that's all I got on that one. <laughs> it's just well, well, we'll tease people. Tell them, uh, you know, 
check out Anchor. We're on Anchor, uh, which links you, you know, to your Spotify, to your Apple Podcasts, to your Google Podcasts, you know, to all sorts of different platforms. So go check that out for extra, extra content. Follow us, subscribe to us, give us a review. That would be great as well. Even Reviews, if it's more questions. Yeah. As the as the way that Dan Cummins says it, and I love the way <laughs> I love this line. He goes, wouldn't change anything, three out of five stars. So <laughs> but uh yeah, I think that's the best. I think that's the only thing we do ask of people, you know, like even if it's not a good review, which we understand that those are gonna be had no matter what. You know, give us a review, you know, let us know, because if we can make the show better for people to watch or more entertaining for people to watch. It's about we got to know about us. Yeah, we got to know. So, I mean, we could speculate all we want what we could do to make it better. But, you know, just like in our own individual channels, you know, if we want to make our shows better, we just want to know from you what you'd like to see or hear. So. We we do have some people lined up to be guests <clears throat> soon, so <coughs> hopefully if they contact us again, <clears throat> we will uh, <laughs> we'll have you on as soon as possible. Because we're not sticky, we don't care who you are. Just uh, come on here and promote and talk baseball. We don't care. We're not paid by anybody. Oh yeah, no one's paid me. To... Oh, super packs. Call me now, super packs. Like, call me Pac-Man, Super Pac-Man. <laughs> call me Super Pac-Man. But, um, so yeah, that's probably going to wrap up for... Uh, we are keeping them as close to an hour as we can uh, for yes. many reasons. But I uh, want to appreciate you guys being here. Uh, if you're listening to this after, thanks for listening. Hopefully you'll join us next Saturday. I would give you a time, but, you know, tech issues always push us back. So, you know, I'm going to say 3 p.m., but we probably won't start until 8 or 9. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so, um, but with that being said, also as well, by the time we are live again, some people will have MLB the show. So we hope you're enjoying your copy of the show yep. at this point next year or next year, next week. Good Lord, I can't talk. So happy MLB the show week. Anyway, closing thoughts, Amish. Uh, let's go baseball. Uh, good luck, teams. Let's go balling. Looking forward to seeing what, what happens next week through the week. The teams. Happy opening week, everyone. And we will see you next week on the Hot Takes Corner.